Well, welcome to Graceway Baptist Church. I'm so glad to be with you again. And uh, to those of you who are our Sunday school teachers, I can't thank you enough. And I try to remember that every single week that you're such a significant part of what we do in disseminating truth, getting the word of God into people's lives. So thank you so much for uh, listening to this lesson and kind of getting an idea of what I am talking about whenever I write the outline down. And also for any of you who are watching this because you uh, are sick or out of town or something like that, and you want to keep up with the Sunday school class, good for you. I'm proud of you for doing that. We've tried to take January and um, talk about some things that will help you get set for the new year. Not that uh, there's anything particularly new that you're going to learn. This is just kind of a reminder. Maybe it is new to some people, and uh, that's always a good thing to teach on some of the basics. But it's also good to remind some of us who are older about some things we need to kind of prioritize or uh, maybe reset or something like that. And today uh, we're going to talk about that thing that so many people dread. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about stewardship. And, um, you know, I, I don't think I'm uh, facing this so much here in this church, but in other places I've been, anytime the pastor said something about money, he's trying to get a raise or trying to do something like that, get money out of people's uh, pockets. And I had one guy tell, that told me uh, point blank, he said, my money belongs to me and it's in my wallet and nobody's going to get it out but me. You know, um, that's a person that you need to pray for. That's a person who is obviously got some issues. And secondly, they don't really understand the concept of stewardship. Nothing that we have belongs to us. It belongs to the Lord. And you might be surprised when you say nobody can get my money out of my wallet but me. Um, hang on to that. You might be just a little surprised by that. Well, I don't think that's the case here. And uh, I'm not trying to uh, do anything except teach the word of God and to be a blessing. And as we come into uh, the year 2022, I've got some real concerns and my concerns would be, number one, of course, uh, I do want the church to be well taken care of, and I want everyone to uh, be a contributor to that. That's good for all of our spiritual health. Secondly, I'm thinking about uh, what the Lord Jesus said that we'll talk about in just a moment in Luke chapter 16, that he said, if you can't be trusted with unrighteous mammon, i.e. money, then who will trust you with true spiritual riches? So I do this because I want you to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's a third thing, and this is very practical. We're already facing um, record inflation. And uh, if we don't handle our money right, some of us that are already in trouble and already misusing money and already doing just foolish things, how much worse is it going to be if you lose a job or if inflation goes even higher or something like that? Um, we want to take care of this and we want to use what God has given us and we want to use it properly because there are blessings in that and we want to get in on those blessings. So as I introduce this, we'll be looking at um, 
various scriptures, not just one passage. And we're entitling it Stewardship Matters because it really does. And there are some matters we need to cover about stewardship if we're going to be true to uh, what the Lord um, revealed to us in his holy word. So in Luke 16, uh, the whole verse, one who is faithful in little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. In other words, it's an evaluator of who we are and what our character is. It doesn't build character, it reveals it. But he goes on to say, and this is what's really important. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, some translations say unrighteous mammon, meaning just money, earthly money, then who will entrust you with the true riches? And so it's not really about the amount of anything. Jesus said the bottom line is faithfulness. And he's trying to get across to our feeble minds. It's not on his end, it's on our end that we can't understand. <clears throat> that if you are unfaithful in small things of life and in small amounts of money, then he can't trust you with the bigger things in life or with the bigger amounts of money. Now, we don't want to go into the uh, prosperity, false gospel or anything like that. We don't want to make undue promises that if you will, you know, send your money into me, then you'll, you know, get a hundredfold return to you or any, we'll leave that up to God. And we're not going to do any of the foolishness. I heard a guy say one time that if you'll send us a hundred or a thousand or something like that, we'll send you a pen with anointed ink so that every check you write with that anointed ink will come back to you, you know, tenfold, thirtyfold, or even a hundredfold, you know, just foolishness like that that people buy into. But here's what we do want to do regardless of that is we want to be faithful. And what, get, what God gives us and the amount that he gives us, the resources or the, you know, whatever influence in life that we have, if he wants it to be big, then it'll be big and we'll be ready for it. If he wants it to re remain small, we won't really care, will we? Because if you don't mind, it doesn't matter and we want to uh, practice contentment. We just want to be faithful to God with whatever it is that we have. Some of you are being prepared now through the Lord's discipline for some big, big things. And the big things are not always big bank accounts, but they certainly could be. You might become a very influential person. Have you noticed some people, they walk into a room and everybody pays attention to everything that they do. They pay attention to how they dress or how they talk or expressions that they use and they start copycatting them. Some of you are people that are destined for great influence and the key is, are you going to use it for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? Some of you are going to have positions, maybe in the church or maybe in the secular world. They're gonna be very, very influential and the key is, will you be faithful or is it going to change you or tempt you to kind of drop the ball and uh, live your own life uh, apart from the things of God? So God is getting you ready for this and he does it 
by testing you in the little things. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? And so when you're faithful in the little things, then he'll make you faithful over much. At least the potential is there if he so chooses. And also he uh, tells us that the way we handle our finances is kind of the ABCs of life. If you can't get that right, you're probably going to struggle in most everything. Now, he didn't say, uh, again, anything about the amount. He didn't say that um, if you make X number of dollars a year, that's a sign of God's blessing. Because a lot of pagans and a lot of ungodly people make a lot of money, but they're not faithful with it either, are they? And there are some people that love the Lord and they don't make very much money, but they're faithful with it and their rewards are very great. In fact, some of those people become very influential and uh, their prayer life is strong. They know the word of God. They're able to teach and share the principles from God's word to other people and other people listen to them. I mean, that's where we want to get. And even to the point that if God wanted to make you a billionaire, he would do it because he could trust you with it and because you are a contented person. So all that to be said, I know I kind of overdid it there. Um, evaluate yourself and think about this. Are you a faithful person, not just in the financial realm of your life, but in everything? Is that really your desire to honor the Lord? That indeed is the uh, bottom line. So uh, this is a key to spiritual growth, wisdom, the application of those kind of things, all of that. So let's just uh, move on, okay? Number one, money is not your security. Money is not your security. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, every part of your life. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. In other words, the bottom line is, are we trusting God? And there's this tendency to think that uh, I'd be set and secure if I just had a certain amount of money or enough money. And the hard thing is that so often we find people that kind of forget God whenever things get good in their life. Now, there are some people conversely, that only think about God when things get bad in their life, economically or whatever. And so the Lord, because he wants uh, fellowship with you, he may allow you to go through some financial downturns so that you'll begin to trust in him because, well, you don't have anything else. The uh, arm of flesh will fail you, the old hymn says, and that's when we find it out. So the Lord also is training us so that if he does put more into our lives, that our trust factor is not shifted from God to money, that our trust factor doesn't go from praying to the Lord and, and saying we're turning to you because we have nowhere else to turn to, well, now we've got all of these options and we can settle back and we can take it easy. Uh, that has never been the thrust of scripture, and that's where a lot of people make a big mistake. I'll just retire, take it easy, move somewhere off of the place where God has called me from so that I can just enjoy life. And we've seen so many people ruin their lives 
and ruin their families and not finish well. And I do want you to be able to retire. And I do want you to be able to have enough money to take care of your needs during that time. But I don't want you to forget the Lord. And I don't want you to fumble the ball at a time when you should be crossing the goal. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 17 and 18 says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. There's the point that we're making. But in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy, let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. And so the Bible doesn't condemn being rich or being well off. It just condemns the fact that we don't trust in God. We have this tendency. The Israelites were even warned before they got into the promised land to be careful that when you get into the promised land and you are taking over these towns and these cities and the real estate there, that you don't forget about God when you get fat and sassy. And that's the tendency that a lot of, a lot of us have. I've made this statement uh, several times preaching recently. How often do you think 21st century Americans pray, give us this day our daily bread? We just expect to eat and we eat too much and we eat the wrong things because we live in a land that uh, is so plentiful. And that is by the blessing of God. Think about that. And so uh, when we are not trusting in God, but we're trusting in our economy or we're trusting in our abilities to earn money or we're trusting in whatever it may be, that is a danger point for us. Rich or poor, that is a danger point for us. And so take the word of the Lord literally and uh, take it seriously here that we've got to handle our money right. It's not a sin to be wealthy. It's not a sin to be poor. It's not a sign of a, of a great walk with God if you are wealthy. And it's not a, a sign of um, maybe compromise or sin if you don't have a lot of money. That's never brought up again as the issue in the Word of God. But your trust, your trust is where it really matters. And when the Bible talks about the love of money being the root of all evil. Some people say, well, money is the root of all evil. Well, that's not, not true at all. The love of money is the root of all evil. And in any kind of sinful activity, you can uh, look at it and somewhere, somehow in that, somebody's making some money and that's a big motivator for them. We don't want to fall into that trap because we want to be lovers of God, lovers of truth, lovers of the church, lovers of people, and uh, we don't want to be haughty, and we don't want to trust in uncertain riches. More than one millionaire has ended up broke when they should have been secure the rest of their lives. More than one pro athlete has made multi-millions of dollars in the NFL, and they end up bankrupt later on. Riches are just uncertain. We just don't know what they're going to do. And so our trust must be in the living God. He's the one that's going to take care of us. And so we've got to live on God's economy. And that means we follow his principles and we trust him. And a part of trust is obedience to the Lord. And so uh, we are safe and we are secure as God's children 
no matter what the economy does, no matter who the president is, no matter what the Federal Reserve does, no matter what the stock market may do, God is going to take care of his children. And I love it when David said, I've been young and now I'm old. I can identify with that. Some of you can too. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. Why is that? God takes care of his people. He takes care of his sheep. He's a good shepherd. And you may not have all you want, but you will certainly have all that you need. And so our trust must be in the Lord. So there's a good place just to check yourself out. Do you feel more secure, happier, better, peaceful when your uh, bank account balance is high more than you do when it starts getting a little low? Do you feel better when the stock market is going up and your 401k is going up? Do you get a little anxious when it starts going down? Those are just red flags from the Holy Spirit that our trust may not be in the right thing and uh, or the right person, I guess I should say, and that would be the Lord. So that that's the first place to uh, check yourself out. Now, number two, understand this. Boy, this is something that Congress can't figure out. This is something that the average American can't figure out. And that is debt, D-E-B-T, has a downside. Now, the Bible never calls it a sin. So don't, don't go there. We don't want to say less than what the Bible says, but we don't want to say more than the Bible says either. In uh, Proverbs chapter 2, Uh, pardon me, 22, verse 7, it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a servant to the lender. Now, sometimes people would go, how can that be? The borrower is servant to the lender. Is this just some ancient thing that might have been true in Solomon's day? Well, let me just ask you a question. How flexible are you in making your car payment? How flexible are you in making your credit card payments? You say, well, I don't want to pay late fees. Okay, then they tell you when to make those payments. And um, I've known people that would uh, pay their visa bill and then wouldn't have money for food. That doesn't sound very freeing to me. I've known people that have been so maxed out in their credit cards or they bought a car that they couldn't afford. And the number of payments that they have is uh, huge and uh, they don't have money for Christmas. They don't have money for love offerings. They don't have money to help out somebody who is struggling. They don't have money to help out their, their children when they lose a job or something like that. So I'm gonna ask you who masters who? And it sounds like, you know, MasterCard really is the master in this situation. And not only that, but they tell you when to pay and they tell you, how much to pay, and they can uh, enact penalties if you don't or if you are unable to pay. That doesn't sound like a really great life when you think about all of the implications of it. And um, that's why the Bible tells us that. The rich rules over the poor. They're in control of things, in other words. And the borrower is a servant to the lender. You know, even if it is um, a family member that you owe to, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and say sometimes that can be the absolute worst, right? Because if they loan you, let's say $500, then they watch you. 
And they notice when you buy video games, when you take a a vacation, they notice when you go out to eat and they're thinking, man, if you didn't have enough money and you needed my money and you haven't been able to pay me back, how dare you go on the vacation or buy the video game or go out to eat? And as Dave Ramsey says, it makes Thanksgiving dinner taste just a little bit different. And that's not a good thing when you owe money to your relatives. And so the goal is not to owe money in any way that we can. Now, uh, it's almost impossible to have a house without having a mortgage on it, but even that falls into a different category because that is typically an appreciating item as opposed to cars, which are depreciating items. And um, it, it also kind of, uh, you're, you're sort of limited on what you buy when you buy a house. And um, I, I guess it's possible for people to buy a house that's too much house that they can't afford. Uh, but most of the time, people do pretty good on all of that and make those payments. And so that's a, a little bit different, but the idea is still the same. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a servant or a slave to the lender. And uh, you might not like that, but I didn't say it, so don't get mad at the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. That's what God himself says through his inspired word, and that means we need to pay attention to it, and we need to make sure that we take care of these things. Now, some people today, they borrow a lot, and they say, oh, don't worry about it. You don't ever have to repay it. Just file bankruptcy and forget about it, and uh, those kind of things. Now, I've known some people who got to the place to where they couldn't do anything else but file bankruptcy. In fact, I had a good friend uh, back in college, and he bought a, uh, a nursery where you buy plants and that kind of stuff. And then the economy tanked. And, uh, you know, when times are hard, the last thing you do is buy plants for landscaping. You feed your family, you pay your own bills. And so he lost that whole business and owed an exorbitant amount of money to different people. And uh, so he filed for bankruptcy. But you know what else he did? Even though it wasn't required under the type that he filed, he paid back every nickel to uh, his creditors. Took him quite a few years, and he and his wife had to work two jobs each. And it was very, very tough on them, but they paid it all back. And the reason he did it is because of what it says in Psalm 37, 21. The wicked borrows, but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. And so the idea here is we want to be out of debt so we're not a slave to anybody. And that ought to be something that we set as a goal in our life. And then the other thing is we don't want to be like the wicked who borrow and they don't repay because it's not their money. So what do they care about? And, uh, you know, they just they just go on and say, ah, that'll it serves them right. They're a big company. It won't hurt them. This person's a rich person. It won't hurt them. And they just go on like that. And the Bible calls that wicked as opposed to what God's plan for the righteous is for every one of us to be able to be generous and to give. Now, if you get yourself all tangled up in debt and buying things that you don't need and overpaying for them and buying more than you actually need and not being content and letting the television and social media drive you into what you uh, purchase and 
what your payments are and all of that, you're not going to be generous and you're not going to give. And that is not the definition of a righteous person. The righteous is generous and gives. And that kind of goes back to even point one, doesn't it? So debt is not put in the Bible as a sin, but it sure does uh, come across as being a negative thing and having negative consequences. And uh, you don't want to be controlled by others and you don't want to spend more than you should. Last statistic I heard was when people use credit cards, for example, they tend to spend about 16% more than they would if they paid cash. I always wondered before why merchants would take credit cards when they have to pay a certain percentage to the credit card company for the privilege of doing so. That means they make less money. Ah, until I found out that consumers spend 16% more on plastic than they do with cash. Now, all of a sudden, I understand why companies take credit cards, because people spend more than they should, and you pay interest, and it limits your ability to give. And, um, you know, we, we sometimes even lose our testimony over it when we don't or when we are unable to repay. So pray for people that are in financial uh, hardship and financial trouble. Give to them if you can and love them because that's a hard, hard place to be. If you've ever been there, you understand what I'm saying and what I'm talking about. And I'm just simply saying God has a different way and we need to have a different way of thinking that corresponds to what God says and not what the world says. That's true in a lot of things, isn't it? Number three, hard, diligent work is optimal. Optimal. I can say that. Not an unknown tongue. That's mine. Uh, Proverbs chapter six, verse six says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? And when will you rise from your sleep? You know, uh, everywhere you go right now in this economy, Help wanted, help wanted, help wanted. Some businesses are closing at least for maybe part of the week. There are some days some businesses aren't open. Maybe they've cut back on their hours of availability. And uh, you ask them why? Because we can't get enough workers. What, what's going on? Well, uh, there are different reasons. COVID makes a big difference on that. When you have a significant number of people that are sick, or afraid of passing on that disease. They stay home, they quarantine like the government recommends that we do. What does that do? Well, then they're not in the workforce. That's a big problem. But there are also some people, and I'm glad they're a minority, but there are some who just say, why would I want to go to work when the government will pay me and I can stay home? And uh, we don't want that kind of thing either. That's not the way the Bible says that things ought to be. We are supposed to work for what we get. In fact, Proverbs 12, 11 says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. You know, that's not a very nice way of putting it, is it? And yet that's exactly what the Bible says. We're made to work. Now that doesn't mean that you can't retire. That doesn't mean you can't be on disability. That doesn't mean that 
um, it's wrong to inherit money or anything like that. That's not his point. He's talking here about the person who is just simply lazy and wants to live off of everyone else. The world owes me a living, he might think. And why should I go to work when you are? And uh, you ought to share your money and your resources with me. After all, isn't that what Christians do? And uh, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament said, put it like this very bluntly, if a man does not work, neither shall he eat. That's uh, how to put things in perspective, right? And so the idea here of watching the ant and all of that and getting up out of bed and getting to work, because hard work is God's plan for having your needs met. That's just the way it is. Grandma used to say there's a good place to go when you're out of, a, out of money, and that is to work. That's the way it always has been. And being wise, uh, combined with a biblical work ethic, is necessary for the Christian. That's the way we ought to be. And so we work honestly, and we work ethically, and we avoid get-rich-quick schemes and those kind of things. And uh, we remember that there is a difference between someone who can't work as opposed to someone who won't work. And we always want to make sure we make that distinction. Number four, <coughs> pardon me, generous giving is to be a priority. No matter what the economy is, no matter what your situation is, no matter what is going on in the world, we don't ever want to compromise on being a generous giver. Now, we all could probably do a little better. Sometimes we look at the multi-gazillionaire and, oh, they gave $150,000 to this charity or this foundation or this church. And we go, wow, isn't that wonderful? Except sometimes you look at that and you go, that's about like you buying a biscuit for breakfast at Chick-fil-A. Uh, it's proportional. The Lord looks at some things and he defines generosity probably a little better than we do. And all you have to do is think about the story of the widow's mite, M-I-T-E, and the little that she gave, and yet Jesus said she gave more than everyone else did because giving tends to be proportional and we all could probably do a little bit better. In the book of Proverbs again, chapter uh, 3, verses 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your possessions. And the key in that verse is honor the Lord. That's the key to life, isn't it? Honor the Lord with your possessions. Why? Because it really doesn't belong to you. That car belongs to God. That house belongs to God. Those toys that your kids play with, they belong to God. That bank account belongs to God. Honor the Lord with those things. Take care of them. Use them properly. And he goes on to say, and with the first fruits of all your increase. In other words, don't wait until you've done everything you want to do and paid for everything you want and then see if you have enough left to honor the Lord. No, honor the Lord with the first fruits. Honor him first when it comes in. And he says in verse 10, so your barns will be filled with plenty. Why? Because he can trust you with it. And your vats will overflow with new wine. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, our Lord himself said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will he uh, will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I think that's pretty clear, isn't it? Be generous. 
1 Timothy chapter 5, not foolish, but generous. 1 Timothy 5, 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You want to be worse than an unbeliever? Then don't take care of your family and expect the government and other people to do it. This is something we are supposed to do, or even worse, some people live off of the church and other charitable organizations when they could go to work, should go to work, but they don't. And uh, because of that, other people are suffering because people who don't deserve it and don't need it are taking those resources. And so uh, we don't want to be worse than an unbeliever. So you have to take care of your family. You have to take care of your family. And you are to give to the Lord's church, not just any organization, but to the church. And you are to help the poor, and you are to invest for the future. You're going to have needs that are going to come up later on, and you need to be ready for those kind of things by uh, saving up. Which leads us to point number five, spend less than you earn by planning. It's called a budget. Spend less than you earn by planning or budgeting. Again, Proverbs chapter 10, 24 and 25 says, um, Your things, four things on earth, pardon me, are small, but they are exceedingly wise. What are these things that are small yet wise? The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. Okay, we won't go into the other things, but uh, the ant. Go to the ant, you sluggard, we're told. The ants are held up as being something that is uh, little and yet mighty at the same time. They are things that uh, the Bible holds up as being wise because we could learn from them. They're always working. Have you noticed that? Always moving, always working. And they work together. That's a good thing. And they work hard. Sometimes you see um, an ant carrying something that's bigger than he is. And uh, yet they do it. They're very diligent in what they do. And so uh, the Bible says we ought to look to the ant. But here's the main thing Solomon is saying to us is that they gather things in the summer and in the harvest that they can eat in the wintertime when they can't work in the same way. They'd freeze to death. When they can't gather the food in the same way, it's not available in the winter in the same way it is in the summer. And so the principle simply is this. We need to work. We need to work hard. And then out of what we earn, don't just frivolously spend it all. Make a plan for it. You know, if you've got $5 to spend, I don't care how much you pray over it, six is more than what you've got. And if you don't make a plan for that, you're going to end up spending six or seven or eight dollars and owing somebody somewhere and then forget about something that you really wanted or something, a need that you have or a bill that was coming up. And uh, then you're going to find yourself in trouble and you're going to be digging a deeper hole. The goal is spend less than you earn. Save it for a rainy day like the ants do for the winter for emergencies that are going to come up and to be ready for those things that you know are going to happen. When you know that Christmas is every year at December 25th, save up money. Start in January saving some money so that you have a little bit 
that you can spend at Christmas. You know when people's birthdays are. You know when your insurance is due. You know when your car payment and other things like that are due. And you've got to plan for those things. And that's what is being recognized here. And so the plan is not to limit limit you. The plan doesn't take away money from you because you don't have any more. If you've got $5 to spend, that's all you've got. A plan just helps you use it wisely and use it properly. And uh, not having a plan doesn't give you more money. It uh, is going to help you in that. Proverbs 21.20 says, There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. Okay? So if you're spending everything you've got, and I know some people that, I mean, if they've got, $400 for this month and they live on $400 and good for them. They figure out how to do that. But if that $400 turns into $2,000 the next month, then they spend all of it and they're still in the same shape. They don't manage it. They don't think ahead. They don't plan for anything. And there's some people that come to the future and then they get to a certain point and they go, oh, uh, I, I didn't plan for this. Well, the Bible tells us that we ought to be saving and we ought to be spending less than we earn and we ought to be generous and we ought to help people. But we also have to think about the future that we have. It's good to plan for your retirement age. It's good to be planning for the future days that are going to come. And so the wise are savers in their house. There's precious oil. And um, what did it say there? Uh, and desirable treasure, that's what it said, and oil in the dwelling of the wise. In other words, they don't foolishly squander it and just eat it all up just because it is there. And so their savers, the foolish, desire all that they get. And remember, failing to plan is planning to fail. So uh, save and plan for a rainy day, plan for church offerings and for love offerings, plan for emergencies, plan so that you can help the poor, all of those kind of things. Because I believe, as we conclude this, and thank you for your time, by the way, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. And I think it's clear that God wants to meet our needs And also, give us enough in addition to that that we can share with other people, that we can be givers. And so we want to do this, and going back to the very beginning, the key is we want to put our trust in the Lord. And I pray you're doing that, and I pray that even when you look at these things, when you look and you say, oh, well, no financial expert would ever recommend that, Well, we've got a higher expert, don't we? We've got God himself. This is the word of the Lord, and I pray you'll take it to heart. Well, we've gone uh, enough and over here uh, to give you some food for thought, and I pray you do think about it and pray that the Lord anoints you as you teach it and also gives a blessing and an anointing to the people listening to you because this could change somebody's life for the good. And I pray that it does. God bless you and thank you for your time and have a wonderful, wonderful week in the Lord.